Join culture creator Ramel Wallace, museum CEO Micah Parson, philanthropist Erwin Jacobs, and urban agriculturist Diane Moss on season two of Stop and Talk, a podcast about the future of the San Diego region. How can we create a vibrant region that celebrates our cultural richness and economic strength? Find out and hear other San Diego experts on Stop and Talk. Discover seasons one and two now at stopandtalkpodcast.com. That's stopandtalkpodcast.com. Are you passionate about resolving conflicts and making positive impact in the world? Then USD's Conflict Management and Resolution Master's Program may be for you. Learn to address conflicts at all levels, from personal disputes to global crises. Join the Kroc School's dedicated community, fostering peace and understanding while you acquire practical skills to navigate diverse settings. Apply now and be the change you want to see in the world. Visit sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. That's sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. Are you looking to engage with regional decision makers, business leaders, elected officials, and industry professionals committed to improving downtown San Diego? Join the Downtown San Diego Partnership. As a member, you'll receive access to exclusive resources, exposure to special programming, networking functions, and additional opportunities unmatched by any other local membership-based organization. Join the driving forces behind the future of downtown San Diego. For a 10% discount, become a member today. Boof, boof, boof. Welcome to the Voice of San Diego podcast in partnership with News Radio 600 Coco. I'm Scott Lewis, the CEO and editor in chief at Voice of San Diego. Very excited to be back from the Thanksgiving break, joined as always by the managing editor, Andrea Lopez Villafania. What's up, Chamaca? What's up, Lewis? <laughs> that was good. <laughs> Reporter, Jacob McQuinney. Hello, Jacob. Hey, Scott. How's it going? Very well. Thank you. It took you a while to get in this headspace. How are you feeling now? I'm very, I'm very excited. I'm, I'm very excited to be back here. Feeling the zone. Making the show happen. Coming up on this show, in fact, this week, it's Beef Week not about the cows. We have collected some of San Diego's hottest beefs. Is it beefs? We still haven't decided. Beefs? I like beefs better. I like yeah. beefs. Yeah, from Todd Glory and his supporters to tennis and pickleball players, we're talking about the beefs in town. One side's against another. So somebody misinterpreted it earlier this week. They're like, well, what, it's your beef against other <laughs> And I'm like, I got a lot of beefs. <laughs> But no, it's not about my beefs. If it was all Scott's beefs, it'd be a couple weeks at least. Yeah, maybe a month. There's a few beefs. People that got beef with Scott. But no, this is about us talking about the the real rivalries in town that shape public affairs. And and this is a good chance to check in with them and catch people up so that they want to follow what happens next. Also, two weeks ago, we talked about the San Diego City Council and how it quashed the big new housing plan, Housing Action Package 2.0. Well, that plan is back. We'll explain why it's coming back so quickly and what changed. It's going to be a good show. Stay with us. But first, we are in the giving season. Voice of San Diego is a nonprofit news organization. I don't know if you've all heard, but we depend on your support, literally you, Walking with your headphones on, playing pickleball, getting ready for the big pickleball tournament, uh, vacuuming the house, driving to a baseball tournament in Temecula, whatever you're doing right now, the moment you get a chance to push the buttons to donate, we could really use it. Uh, go to voiceofsandiego.org slash community. That's voiceofsandiego, vosd.org slash community, vosd.org slash community and donate because we need it. We raise so much of our annual support uh, resources over these five weeks toward the end of the calendar year, and we need you to step up if you value this service. We've got a few people who have donated already, and they can put a little note in, and they have. Ed C. wrote, Lisa Halverstadt's an amazing journalist and the most incredible person on the planet. Okay. I I mean, there's the Dalai Lama and Lisa, right? Agreed. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. 
Uh, Lisa gets a lot of shout outs in these. We have to recognize that, I think. Keith L. writes, Scott plays poker, and I really dig the podcast. I, I know who Keith is. I see him at these old turn. I don't play poker anymore with softballs taking over that part of the brain, but uh, I do enjoy. I like enjoy- how he didn't say, like, Scott's, like, super awesome at poker yeah. or kicked my ass like he's just like no, I'm you just play a, poker i'm a fish they play. love me because i just lose and they like oh they need people like that uh, to come yes. the whole there's a whole thing in in poker you don't talk bad about the people who aren't good because you want them to come play uh-huh. and so they're all nice See, to me they're like, that's come a really on. that's a very good strategy yeah, yeah. come play with us yeah. it's you're great time. you're doing good you're improving a lot <laughs> Scott, I brought I brought you some sparkling waters. Come, come on! Oh my God, that's how they get you to buy a Gucci bag. <laughs> All right, oh. David T says the journalism is fantastic and the podcast is fire. Keep on keeping on. Thank you, David. Lucy D says I like the podcast and learn a lot about San Diego while I'm gardening. Keep up the good work. Thank you. And uh, and this one is uh, uh, Emily T says I love the podcast, all of it. Just to be clear. All of it, but especially Andre Lopez Villafaña. But especially Andre yeah, I think, Lopez I think you said that Villafaña. last part a little quick. Let's, let's hear it in like That's half like speed. That's like the Coco thing. Especially it's like the Coco Lopez. intro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Emily. Mm-hmm. Thank you all uh, who gave. And you are next. Join the community at vosd.org slash community. And maybe we'll read yours. Before the Thanksgiving break, we um, talked with our Will Huntsbury about the Housing Action Plan 2.0. This was the set of reforms that the city council seemed ready to pass and then abruptly decided not to pass. Would have made it easier to build homes in all kinds of ways. For instance, in Barrio Logan, where your uh, the new zoning plan would make sort of junkyards and some other places uh, residential lots. But it wasn't going to let those turn over to residential until the business is sold. Like, so it could be decades down the line. Well, the law, the new law would have said they had a, a certain time limit to sunset to switch those uses. So um, it would have kind of pushed those properties into residential a little bit faster. If you have a strip mall somewhere, it would have been an easier to build a lot more homes on the actual commercial property. Uh, commercial density bonus there uh, would have made it easier to build student housing in different spots. Uh, but a couple of the proposals got to be a little controversial and it fell apart. So one of them was it was going to, you know, as Mil- Will described really well, it would allow you to um, build more units if you have affordable on site, right? But if or if you if you include affordable units in your project, you you could build more. That's been part of the sort of formula for a long time. But one of the changes would have allowed you to build that affordable housing off-site somewhere else. Yeah. And, and not um, just off-site, but like not to the same standards with the same amenities. Right. As like what you would experience if it was on-site and you had access to before. Right. And so a couple of city council members brought up concerned about that after Will's piece about it that he wrote. And uh, then the other thing they had concerns about there right now when you build housing, you pay developer impact fees. And a lot of those fees are what fund parks and stuff. So that's why some of the newer neighborhoods have nicer parks is because they have more recent developer impact fees and that they build parks and they're nicer. And older parts of the city have rundown parks and it's because they're not building a lot of stuff and there's a lot of fees going into creating parks and stuff like that. So one of the, uh, the ongoing uh, sort of policies we've had is that for micro units, for units, studio units and such, they there was a um, a fee waiver. You didn't have to pay those developer impact fees on those. And a lot of people liked that. Developers liked that. And, and people in the homeless world or advocacy world liked it because those were the most likely units you could get homeless people into, uh, you know, off the street if there was, if they were created. And so it incentivized the creation of that. On the other hand, people said, well, if you have a family, that doesn't really help that because they have families need three bedroom apartments at least. Uh, and so the plan was to switch the waiver from put the fee back on the small units, take the fee off of the three bedroom units. They objected, objected to both of those and it failed. Uh, it's coming back. So this week, 
the city council uh, president, Sean Elo Rivera, and Mayor Todd Gloria announced that they're going to bring it back, that they've come to some kind of deal on it. It sounds like they have agreed that they will require the units built off-site in affordable housing to get that density bonus for the other development, that that'll have to be built to the same standard, right? And in the same community right. area, right? Yeah, similar community yes. income. Because that was the thing. Like th- The way it was written originally was you would have the option, you'd still get this bonus and you could build off-site, not to the same standards, and you could build in a community, in a poorer community. And so that'll be uh, a big change. And they didn't change the fee waiver, so it looks like they made a deal that'll come forward. But I wanted to get back into uh, the debate. There was a really interesting moment in the discussion. So uh, there there were people who are opposed because of this concern, but then there there were city council members who were, Concerned in particular, one Jen Campbell, who was concerned about the whole package just in general. It's like a lot going on. Yeah, she's mm-hmm. like, I'm good with the commercial thing, you know, switching strip malls into housing. You, you should put housing on top of those uh, retailers. I'm good with the junkyard being switched eventually as soon as possible to uh, housing. I'm not good with some of these other things. And here was how she articulated that. But the past collection of changes have barely been implemented. And yet the city continues to modify contentious programs, believing that they will bring enough housing. I don't think they will. Our residents need to know and understand what these programs are doing to our communities. Are they causing apartment buildings to be built in single family backyards? Yes, in district two, they are causing that to happen. So I heard that, and I I live in District 2. I was curious what she was referring to. I asked the office, uh, her office, to tell me a couple examples of uh, on the coast where this is happening. Um, and they wrote back, quote, this is from Elsa Sevilla, her uh, director of communications. Quote, our office does not have access to examples of apartment buildings under construction in single-family backyards. Whoops. <laughs> so... <laughs> Now, this is one of those classic moments in reporting where it's like you're just you're curious about something. And that's what journalists everywhere have to just learn is like if you're curious about something, you might poke at it because you never know (laughs) what you're going to get and you're going to get a little nugget out of it. Now, set aside the ridicule that she would bring that up and say it that way and have it not be true. However, there are some really interesting things going on with backyards, right? So across San Diego, you were saying like your grandma hates ADUs, right? Yeah, Granny, just granny hates granny, granny flats. Yeah, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't necessarily cute. want to shame my grandmother on air, Scott, but but she's not, a, she's not a fan, suffice to say. Yes. Right. There are a lot of people who are concerned. Uh, city's rather unique accessory dwelling unit or granny flat policy, right? So uh, I thought Cal Matters did a pretty good job on a story where they came in and talked about this unique version of the law that San Diego has that allows for a lot of these accessory dwelling units to be built. And so the um, uh, if you look at the CalMatter story, Ben Christopher did a good job on it. We can put it in the show notes, the link. But basically, there are a lot of um, projects in the pipeline and that have already been built that really kind of do look like apartment buildings in backyards. Now, not in District 2 necessarily on the coast, but uh, in Golden Hill, Canto, they talked a lot about some of these places. So just here's how it works. Well, the, the, to, to, to put a finer point on it, I mean, there was one that he mentioned in the piece that was permitted that had 76 units, like yeah. 36 of them or 30 something of them were ADUs, which is, as he cheekily wrote about in the piece, I mean, that's that's an apartment building. That's not and, a granny flat. Yeah, <laughs> in, in, in all but name, right, I yeah. guess. And it's and it's great. We need units. Sure, yeah. But let's go ahead and be honest about what's happening yeah. here, right? Well, yeah. What we're building. That's what I was saying earlier. Like I, I currently live in an ADU, mm-hmm. um, and it's like a one bedroom. It's small. It's what I would consider a granny flat, right? Yeah, you put your granny casita. in there. Uh, yeah, it's a little casita. And um, but my neighbors and I don't know like what policy or what they used to do their thing, but it's like a whole apartment building like two apartment buildings next to us how many units um i think it's four yeah so here's how it works um 
basically, if you agree to build one of these ADUs, and if you agreed to keep the rent low according to the income restrictions, they, uh, you, you as a developer or a you know homeowner, if you're building it, are allowed to build a second unit and rent it for whatever you want. And so you can kind of flip that back and forth, do an affordable one, get another one, do an affordable one, get another one. And you flip it so many times that it, uh, there's some restrictions on height and a couple other things, but after a while, you can get it up to dozens and dozens of units, and that's what they tracked. And this apparently is unique throughout the com- uh, the the country. And so, as Christopher wrote in Cal Matters, he said a total of 159 projects with 1,200 units have been submitted to the city as of October. Just half of them, fewer than half of them, in fact, have been permitted, and far fewer have broken ground. But it's a uh, it's a lot coming down, and obviously, some of them have already come up. So, uh, again, not necessarily uh, what Jen Campbell said, but certainly uh, a development that's occurring in city stuff. Join culture creator Ramel Wallace, museum CEO Micah Parson, philanthropist Erwin Jacobs, and urban agriculturist Diane Moss on season two of Stop and Talk, a podcast about the future of the San Diego region. How can we create a vibrant region that celebrates our cultural richness and economic strength? Find out and hear other San Diego experts on Stop and Talk. Discover seasons one and two now at stopandtalkpodcast.com. That's stopandtalkpodcast.com. Are you passionate about resolving conflicts and making positive impact in the world? Then USD's Conflict Management and Resolution Master's Program may be for you. Learn to address conflicts at all levels, from personal disputes to global crises. Join the Croc School's dedicated community, fostering peace and understanding while you acquire practical skills to navigate diverse settings. Apply now and be the change you want to see in the world. Visit sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. That's sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. Welcome. To Beef Week. <laughs> Let's define Beef Week for a second. So we, I, I don't think I originated Beef Week. I think this was actually a Sarah Libby creation years ago. Uh, the the idea, of course, is not about steak. It's not about cows. Uh, beef, this is the beef you might have with somebody. But, but it's not about a single dispute. You know, it's not about like a neighbor suing a neighbor over a fence. It, it's more about neighbors who have been warring for years about uh, you know some sort of core problem they have with each other, and then the disputes that result from that. The the, the it's it's like a source of disputes. Mm-hmm. It, it's like the sea lions in La Jolla versus the La Jollians. You know, like there's a lot of disputes between them. La Jollians hate sea. I, I feel like almost it, well. I guess you're right. I but, didn't know that was a. But I feel like there's a, a parallel beef between like the sea lions and the tourists or something. You know? Yeah, yeah. That's what I thought the beef would be. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, we're I guess, all I guess, animals. I guess they do kind of smell a little bit, but they're damn cute. Yeah. Well, there's the the problem with the the seals. Sorry, they're not the sea lions. They're different. The seals. seals at the children's pool is that the children's pool was supposed to be for the children. And then the seals came and they're like, well, actually, it's a good place for us to lay because it's nice and calm. And then they they poop so much that it's it's so bad for that water right there that it's now pretty much off limits for bathing. So there is beef between the La Jolla children and the seals. Kids have so many places to go. Yeah, I vote for seals, too, for sure. (laughs) Hundred percent. So, well, that's a longstanding beef. Uh-huh. Uh, and there's more. So you guys have divvied up uh, the beefs, the beefs, the that, beefs. that our uh, staff did. Beefs. Look, this was unquestionably a way for us to kind of take a breather for the week and get people caught up on some of their Don't investments. Tell them that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but but part of my fundamental belief as a journalism leader is that you need to have 
moments where you catch people up on the storylines that they're following so that you can like tell more updates so that it drives demand for further coverage about some of these stories if they understand what the underlying issues are, right? The worst thing is like when you come across one of these beefs and you immediately know it and like you watch like trash reality TV, you know, like a clip (laughs) of the Kardashian sisters fighting is like really funny and interesting, but then you're like, well, why are they fighting? And like, there's no context to like, well, this all started when, you know, so-and-so, whatever. And that's like kind of what we're doing here. Mm. There you go. So (laughs) what do you want to start with? Which beef? Um, So our Tigus Lane, she's our North County reporter. Um, She's been covering uh, Polymer Health and she's been writing different stories. There was like a a change um, with like, who provides certain doctors that some of the board members didn't agree with. Well, let's stop for a second. What's Palomar Health? Palomar Health is a public health care district in North County. They have um, campuses in Escondido and Poway. So North County, public care district. Mm-hmm. And so Tickets has been following different things. If you've been following her reporting, she wrote about how the health care district itself is dealing with some financial issues. Um, right. And just to be clear, these districts are public government Entity. Yes. It's just like a water district or something. Yes. And then they they hire hospital either themselves or contractors to run hospitals in the public good. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the point is that, you know, these neighbors decided they all need a hospital. They get together. They create one of these districts. It's funded in part with public resources. And then they use all that to create these hospitals yes. that provide health care. And because simple. of that. The board members of the hospital are elected. Exactly. Because it's a public hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Tigist has been writing, you know, lots of different, you know, disputes and long-standing tensions between the hospital's executives and two of the board members. Um, the board members, the majority of them tend to go with what the hospital executives want. Um, you know, they they pretty much tend to agree, but then there's like two board members who, you know, are constantly questioning the actions. And um, part of that, which is funny, like we're kind of involved in the beef, is that the board members have gotten in trouble, the ones who oppose a lot of the moves, um, for speaking to us and speaking to the media, for speaking to KPBS about issues within the hospital. Um, So they've you know, taken votes of no confidence against these board members. Uh, Tigus recently reported that one of the board members um, is suing the hospital because she's arguing that, um, or she's arguing on First Amendment grounds because she spoke out about terms of use agreement that you had to agree to if you wanted to enter this like public hospitals site. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so she spoke up about that. She talked to Tigus about how, you know, she didn't agree with what the hospital had done with these weird terms of use agreements. Um, and so now she, you know, just being told that she shouldn't have spoken to the media without connecting with the hospital's media group. So, right. so lots of little stuff. And the latest meet board meeting was pretty heated. Um, they had to take a break kind of during the meeting to make sure everybody's nerves were Yeah, well, you just talked about the website dispute and we made fun of this a few weeks ago where yeah. that you had to agree that you wouldn't take information from this public website and republish it mm-hmm. to just to have access to the site which is insane and it wasn't like any like any website or any sort of like online thing has a terms of use agreement right but it was like a full-on big pop-up like you go into polymer health whatever dot com or dot org whatever it is like this pop-up comes up and you cannot access anything unless you agree to it, which is all insane. But that's a minor issue because at the yeah. at, uh, they're also arguing about the fundamental finances of this organization, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like this, the executives are like, "We're good. We got we tons of money coming in," <laughs> and and it's not so clear that they're all set. And they have a tremendous amount of debt they have to deal with. Yes, and one of the board members uh, who Tigist has spoken to and um, included in some of her previous coverage, who has. Um, you know, kind of been scolded by the other board members for speaking. Um, You know, he's concerned with the financial situation and he feels like he should be free as a board member who is elected by the public to speak out for, 
you know, what he disagrees with and what the hospital is right. doing. Otherwise, like, what is the point of being elected? Right. <laughs> All right, that's, a, that's a good beef. It's check, a good beef. Yeah. <laughs> check that one out. That was uh, Palmar versus board members. Was that right? Mm-hmm. All right. You got one, Jacob? Uh, yeah, I, I, I got a beef for you. Um, okay. So what is San Diego's biggest crisis, would you say? And I'm not, I know, Scott, there may be... A, uh, an urge to say something about palm trees or eucalyptus, but but it's not that. Well, I'd probably go with like homelessness and yeah. the cost of living. <laughs> homelessness, but um, here's here. Do you want my ranking? Yeah, yeah. Let's hear it. Let's hear the definitive Scott Lewis crisis. All right, ranking definitive Scott Lewis crisis ranking in San Diego. <laughs> From most serious. From least serious to most serious crisis. Okay, and again, San Diego. So how, serious, how many do we have still here? Serious. Yeah, I'm sorry, I couldn't find any light ones. The <laughs> Uh, I think like at least number five, I got infrastructure rot. So uh, I'm thinking like the stormwater system, the parks are disaster. The public restrooms mm-hmm. are disgusting. Um, in in particular, the city of San the Diego, the exist. older neighborhoods in particular. Yes, exactly. If they're open at all, yeah. Um, like Morley Field, places like that. It's just like, come on. These <laughs> are pretty gnarly. really great places, yeah. but you should have a comfortable place to, to do things. In the past couple of years, we, we've gone to, um, to Morley Field for uh, essentially 4th of July. We yeah. lost a bunch of friends. In the past two years, the bathrooms have been locked uh, on 4th of July. On 4th of July. On 4th of July, and there is just like a mountain of... Gross! Don't items. I, I went to I went to East Lake for a softball tournament, and the the bathroom there was like it. It was just like I I just wanted to be there all the time. I was like, this is wonderful. I should wow. just hang out here. It's just why can't we have nice things? Okay, number four. Number four. Uh, uh, the inequality, the inequality and inequity, and just absurd disparities in the education system. I mean, it's it's crazy, like the disparities, and then the overall lack of excellence, right? Like you should, wouldn't it be great if you, if like it was just well regarded that San Diego had excellent schools? Like, yeah. why not just what it, what it would be like to live somewhere where everybody's just like these schools here are amazing, they're so wonderful. Well, some people live in parts of the city where that's true. Yeah, but even <laughs> like, and it's just, and and even, but within the city of San Diego and the, the San Diego Unified, like the disparities are just horrific. Mm-hmm. And they're yeah. in the same district. <laughs> All right, number three, I would put the border sewage crisis. I think it's, 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 in, it's infecting and like r- ruining or at least partially ruining the lives of hundreds of thousands of people. Mm. The coastline from Tijuana up to Coronado is is scary and getting worse because it used to be just rains and now it's all the time and uh i I consider that a pretty severe but seems like fixable crisis Mm. i mean fixing the education system (laughs) and that seems seems like something a little bit more addressable this may seem like this feels a little bit like a surfer bias no maybe a little bit (laughs) all right and then number two the worst crisis the cost of living now this is the housing, but also the highest water rates, highest electricity rates, mm-hmm. uh, gas, uh, storing, insuring, and maintaining vehicles, public transit, lack of availability. It's very hard to live here. And it as is, somebody it is, who's yeah. an employer and other, it's 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 something that keeps me up. And then related, but I think it's got to be its own category. Is the number one crisis homelessness? Homelessness. So sorry. Do you, do you have somewhere you were taking that? Of like, yeah, well, real? <laughs> yes, I, I, I do. Okay. Have you heard of pickleball? <laughs> I, it didn't make a stop. I have. I, I'm a new fan of, of the ball that you pickle. I, I suspect you might be going where I think that this is the, the real crisis in San Diego is lack of availability of pickleball courts. Not not only that, but there are some folks who view pickleball almost like an invasive species, right? It's It's... <laughs> It's trying to take over the courts of of the native species, which are the tennis players, right? And so the palm trees of the paddle sports. <laughs> yes, uh, and, and so they're not trees; they're weeds. But for for a couple of years now, pickleball has been, believe it or not, the fastest growing sport in the United States, mm-hmm. which. I can't believe it, but but believe it or not, it's true, right? Yeah. Uh, everybody from LeBron James to to Tom Brady have gotten in on buying stakes in pickleball teams, which again I just cannot believe. But but uh, 
Well, in, here, here's the way to understand pickleball. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's hear it. It's uh, it's so tennis is hard. Like tennis, <laughs> if you want to like play an enjoyable uh, round of tennis, you need to like practice. Okay. And and this this that is means, this is sounding dangerous. You might get get attacked by pickleball players depending on how this ends up. Well, that means you have to um like go through months of 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 uncomfortable and awkward training. Mm-hmm. And then you can start to have a good like tennis experience, right? Pickleball, you can, yes, there are obviously experts who are very good who would destroy a fool like me. <laughs> However, a fool like me can very quickly have a pickleball experience with other people mm. that is very enjoyable and then yeah. start to progress rather quickly. So, okay. It's uh, it's lower an lower entry point. Is it's what an you're accessible yeah. uh, sport. Mm-hmm. Well, I, that makes Except sense. Except for the availability of courts. Yes. Okay. So pickleball, fastest growing sport in America. You would assume in a place like San Diego, where there's sun and beautiful weather, that we would have a robust option of pickleball courts. But for very long, that has not been the case. And so. What have pickleball activists done? These these radical fellows who have seen the demand and felt the cold, uh, you know, shoulder of a government that has not <laughs> been willing to to uh, provide the people what they yearn for, what they what they crave, which is a place to pink punk their balls, you right, know, all, right. all day Again, and night. And they haven't mobilized about bathrooms or about you know plumbing or roads or pollution. It's been about the accessibility and availability Which is of these courts. Kind of ironic. I mean, the, the demographic of pickleball, you'd imagine they need to use the bathroom more often, but maybe we should, kind of, I don't know if we should keep that. Anyway, okay, so this lack of courts, right? It's been a zero-sum game for the pickleball fellas. Uh, essentially, there are not enough pickleball courts, and the easiest thing that they've seen was to take some of the tennis courts. Mm-hmm. And, and it seemed like a logical thing to them, right? They see these tennis courts, and in their minds, uh, they're underutilized. And they have gone to such lengths to prove that they're underutilized. They've done everything from uh, take screenshots of the court uh, logs for a whole year, um, they, they every single night, to, to show that these these courts are not used all the time, right? They've, they've hired drone pilots to surveil courts from the skies uh, to show that, that these courts are underutilized and, th- and that the pickle fellas are, really should be the ones who are benefiting from this this prime real estate. This I got is a, like receipts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I got a front row seat to this because I, I'm involved at Rob Field. Uh-huh. In Ocean oh, yeah. Beach, okay, then. And that's where, you know, this really, they the pickleball guys zeroed in on Rob Field and said, Those, that's where we need to put the pickleball courts and the fight between them and tennis actually forced the city to open up the long-term plan for Rob Field yes. and include pickleball in there. But uh, that that was that was a vicious, vicious fight, fight between each vicious other. Like both sides were really tough on each other. Yes, they were. And and part part of what, what is going on here, right, is that there have been some courts that have opened up, but what pickleballers want is kind of, as I wrote in this, this piece, a sort of like pickleball mecca, right? They want this place where um, where pickleball pilgrims will travel from all around and where they can convert new picklers uh, to their to their you know sport of choice uh, and and they saw peninsula tennis courts at Rob field as the 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 perfect foundation for uh-huh. this new you know metropolis of of, of uh, picklers and and they w- what they ended up finding when they when they tried to push that door open was staunch opposition from the tennis uh, players and so, over the past year, this this feud has has really gotten to a fever pitch, right? They, there was a sort of like radical pickleball play-in uh, protest that 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 happened. Police were called all throughout this time. Tennis felt people have been pushing back. Pickleballers have been showing up to to parks and rec meetings demanding change, and felt really like the city has been and Stefan uh, Stefan Boyland who runs the San Diego Pickleball Association has said it explicitly that that he feels that that the uh government apparatus of of San Diego is in the pocket of big tennis mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. uh and and, and so, so there's there's civil rights have evolved to needing to deal with this this is the new it's new front it's the have 
and have nots courts right of 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 courts to play on now they did get a huge win at barnes uh tennis center where they they've opened up now 20 courts i believe Nin- uh, 19 sorry don't, don't sorry get, don't get ahead of yourself but it's also good there because there's also a side dispute right about the actual noise <laughs> like the yes yeah, so 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 pickleball is it does have a, a very distinctive like plinking noise when you when you hit these wiffle balls against the ground but i, I will say that that even these new courts it didn't really get to where the picklers wanted right yeah uh it wasn't this this mecca it wasn't a a uh club run by and for picklers yeah so these are these are still on a tennis club these are still run by mm-hmm. these by the mm-hmm. the the iron glove of the tennis you know uh mafia and and one of the things that that they really were most frustrated by and, and felt like was a real slap in the face was that all of the income generated by the these pickleball courts at this tennis club would go to fund youth tennis I mean I think that's part of the heart is like there was there was a dream of a sort of entrepreneurial version for these pickleballers to yeah. like create some truly, uh, you know, uh, profitable enterprises that aren't going to be necessarily possible right now. Yeah, and and you know, like you said, there is this long term plan um, to really uh, bring no even more courts to the Peninsula Club over at, at Rob Field. But you know, on your list of San Diego's greatest crises uh, was the infrastructure rot, and so there probably is no hope that these are going to happen anytime soon. The director of, of the Peninsula Tennis Club at, at Rob and Stefan Boyland uh, had engaged in mediation because this this feud had gotten so just toxic, right? They, they didn't really agree to anything, but they, they both agreed that it brought the volume down a little bit. Yeah. But anyway, so, you know, pickleball is 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 the, the king in waiting uh, and, and we'll see if if tennis is willing to give up the crown. Well, that's another beef uh, and has led to a lot of disputes. Seems perfect. Great job. Thank you. All right. What's up with yours now? Great beef. Great beef. This is good beef. <laughs> I'm going to tell this one as, as Ulysses told me when he uh, saw our Instagram post. He said, did you know that SoCal's water wars threatened to tear San Diego apart? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? He's like, yeah, they're beefing. I was like, they're beefing? He's like, yeah. It all started with two rural community water districts. <laughs> That's as far as he got. <laughs> so let me fill you in. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're doing. <laughs> it was good. It was good. Um, so this is something that our Mackenzie Elmer environment reporter has been following, but Scott's a bit of a nerd on the water world as well. Uh, very familiar with the beef. I thought she did a good job of explaining uh, how interesting this fight is. So we've talked about it a number of times these two farming water districts in north part of San Diego County have now voted uh, at to leave the San Diego County Water Authority, and they're in the process of making that divorce final where they'll go instead and buy their water from Eastern, which is a Riverside County district, which is connected to the Metropolitan Water District, not affiliated with San Diego County Water Authority at all. Now, why this is so interesting is this is a long, it really is a longstanding debate. It's not just about this this beef this particular dispute because they have been frustrated that these two water districts in particular, that the water authority has been so obsessed with securing water and water reliability from investments in infrastructure here, but also in purchases of water rights from the Imperial County, that all of that has led to just billions of dollars of debt and higher water rates which has made it very expensive for them to keep farming. And so that is the dispute, and that's what's interesting. But what what she points out, I think, and explains really well in this Beef Week entry, is that this is a big issue. This, This isn't going away even with this divorce. Now, the Water Authority passed uh, or helped pass legislation that will make it much harder for future districts to, to leave because the entire county would have to vote to allow them to leave. But and that's that, what they tried to stop Rainbow and Fallbrook from leaving. Yeah, they tried to. They tried to get that legislation passed before mm-hmm. before that happened, but they weren't able to do it. But that 
underlying tension about these mostly farming communities who want the cheapest water possible to keep farming uh, and these urban areas that are uh, also, you know, trying to make sure that there's enough water onto into perpetuity so they can keep building businesses, biotechs, uh, infrastructure, uh, universities, housing, all these things. But then there's also this other part that's creating a tremendous amount of tension that's adding to this, which is that San Diego is using, what, 30 40% less water than it did uh, over, you know, decades ago. And that's because we're getting better at using water, but also because we're, we're, we've priced out a lot of the farmers. And so not using that water means we pay less for it, which means that the debt that they already built up to build all these things still has to get paid. So they have to raise water rates even more. The girl math is not math in here. <laughs> yeah. So, oh God. So there's a, the bottom line is that we talked about the cost of living earlier. This is a big part of it. There's, as McKinsey has established, there's no real way for the, the water agencies to subsidize or help people who can't afford their water bills. And, um, and so that needs to be addressed at some point, especially if these are going up. But at the heart of it is this debate about can they keep building infrastructure like a lot of them want to do to make this uh, more reliable, more dams, more recycling plants, maybe even some pumps that can ship the water elsewhere? Or are they going to need to stop because they've hit the limit and the limit has been you know, sort of signaled by these two agencies breaking away? Hmm. So it's a big issue and uh, a great, well done uh, Beef Week entry, I thought, by uh, McKinsey. All right, Jacob, your turn. Let's go. Okay, so um, uh, another beef here, our last beef. Uh, I can't say that it's as important as the pickleball tennis beef, but uh, it, 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 it probably some people would say it, it matters, right? Yeah. Uh, all jokes aside, Lisa Halverstadt did an excellent job of breaking down um, where people now stand on Mayor Todd Gloria's homelessness tactics, right? If you can rewind the clock a little bit, he, he ran on basically being the opposite of what of what Kevin Faulkner was, right? Maybe not the opposite, but certainly a big change from yeah, where okay. former Mayor Kevin Faulkner was. Yeah, That's so fair. just to be clear, Kevin, Kevin Faulkner's whole thing was like, well, he ignored the problem for a long time. <laughs> then after hepatitis A and that crisis, he kind of, what we call the Faulkner Doctrine, focused on creating immediate shelters and and kind of really pushing people off the street as much as he could with mm-hmm. these sweeps. Yeah. So so Todd ran on, uh, I guess not the opposite, but, but uh, much less of an emphasis on the punitive measures, right? He wanted to get law enforcement sort of out of this homelessness space and focus on providing people shelter, providing people short and and primarily long-term access to housing. That it was a housing problem yes. and needs housing to be fixed. Yeah, he defined it as a housing problem, right? And yeah. said, we're not going to get out of this unless we build housing. Uh, so that won him supporters. That won him supporters who were both in you know the homelessness uh, activist sphere and folks who were not, like Bill Walton, for example. Um, now, a couple of years into his term as mayor, he has seemingly lost both of those sorts of factions. Um, he He's tried to walk this kind of tightrope between the punitive stuff like this camping ban that, that he pushed so feverishly um, and uh, providing more shelters. And, and it doesn't seem that this balancing act that he's been, he's been trying to do has 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 really satisfied either side you know the 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 activists have said that he has gone back to some of the punitive stuff that falconer was doing that they really didn't like meanwhile um the 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 more wealthy folks like like bill walton have said that he is not doing anything near enough to to clean encampments to keep the streets safe and so throughout all of that it, it seems like both sides have really have really buyer's remorse with 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 Todd Gloria's approach to homelessness. Yeah, she did a really good job, I think, of finding these old supporters of his campaign for mayor yeah. and 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 talking to them about what he's done since then that has so upset them. And again, very different perspectives. Oh yeah. But I thought there was like an interesting through line between both of them. And it gets back to what I keep 
referencing when we talk about this issue, which is I th- it feels like they're both saying he has not addressed it with the urgency or emergency mm-hmm. sort of a- intent that we expect of it. And, and, and despite the fact that they both view what that urgency looks like very, 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 di- couldn't view it more differently, response. they both feel that that urgency is lacking. Yeah, that he hasn't met the problem. Yeah with the emphasis. Now, we fall into this as journalists, I think, a lot, where some people will say, you'll be like, well, I'm getting flack from both sides. I must be right over the target, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, it happens all the time. And I think there's also another way to interpret getting flack from both sides, which you could be just a, not doing well, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> yeah. And and I think, like, that's that's part of what would be interesting here. Is he Is he getting flack from both sides of this because he's truly trying to find a middle ground that works for the most number of people and the best outcomes for San Diego or is he getting flack from both sides because he's he uh is coming off as a a, a weaker uh and ineffective solver of what is very clearly the number one issue in San Diego and maybe something that even the mayor is incapable at, at, with all yeah. the power a mayor has of truly alleviating. Well, and to be clear, I mean, this is a problem that that mayors in cities, large cities across the country, are are dealing with almost, you know, precisely how he is, right? This balancing act that they feel they need to to do, and it doesn't seem like there are many people who are coming out on the winning side. Yeah, I thought one of the exercises I had that was really interesting was when I looked at the amicus briefs that were filed mm-hmm. in support of the city of Grants Pass, Oregon, mm-hmm. that's trying to get the Supreme Court to uh, review its case where it, it tried to cite, cite uh, homeless individuals uh-huh. for, for camping and and the federal court said, you're not allowed to do that, that you can't punish or you know um, prohibit homelessness. You can't, you can't punish somebody for being homeless. And they're like, well, if we can't cite people, if we can't do this, like what, what, what can we do? Like how, how are we supposed to address this? And are we really supposed to have a unit for every single homeless person before we ask one of them yeah. to leave? And that's the big debate going forward. So when you look at the amicus brief for all of these the, the cities that submitted friendly briefs, as San Diego did, to the, the Grants Pass thing, saying we need to be allowed to sweep these streets, uh, it's incredible how diverse some of these cities, so there's Orange County cities, there's mm-hmm. Phoenix was represented in there. I mean, these wow. aren't just like West Coast places. There's a lot of cities across the country that are uh, that are feeling like they don't know how to handle this. Mm. Damn, that sounds like a post. <laughs> uh, I, and so, you know, Whatever, I, I, editor. <laughs> as as we move forward, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how Gloria continues to navigate this, right? He, he's expressed that he's very proud with some of the work that they've done. They've opened, unquestionably, they've opened new shelter. Um, they have opened, you know, safe camping sites. And, and Gloria has touted all of that as, uh, as part of his commitment to solving this problem and says that, you know, as he moves forward, this is still his number one priority. I would say there has been a shift over the last year. Remember a year and a half ago or something, he was dead set against uh, safe camping areas, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, and and I was like, look, you've got to set aside areas for people to go if you're going to push them off the street. Yeah, and they're like, well, you're uh, you're not smart, and, <laughs> and now they're they're embracing that idea and trying to find a lot of other places that they could do that, especially if you're going to have an emphasis on prohibiting people from camping. Yeah, where do you want them to go? You yeah. can't kill them. <laughs> And this concentration camp is not going to happen. Stop talking about that. Yeah. So find places where where they're allowed. And and he has dialed it up, I think, a little bit, but certainly not met the problems sort of noise with his own level of noise. If mm-hmm. I if it feels like if you were facing this crisis, you would want to make as much noise about it as it warrants, because. Otherwise, people are just going to not think you're taking it seriously, even if even if you're doing everything behind the scenes you possibly can. And I think it's indicated by like his state of the city speech from just several months ago. Like, 
I guess almost a year ago exactly where it was it was a big part of it was about sidewalks before it even got to homelessness. She's mm-hmm. been a hundred percent homelessness. Yeah. That's all anybody is freaking out about. Well, and some of that empty space has allowed, you know, former rivals like Kevin Faulkner himself yeah. to come back in with their own spin on on the messaging, right? And in some ways, Kevin Faulkner's kind of positioned himself to the left of of Todd Gloria. Like with, you should have provided more. Yeah. You should have provided more. He should have been more, you know, empathetic and, and treated, you know, uh, folks who are struggling with homelessness in a more compassionate way. Yeah, so, you shouldn't have done the ban without more shelter. It was yeah. wild uh, that that was the opening he left. It's also wild that with all this rancor about his his thing and his approach, there's no major candidate running against him. So you, uh, Lisa did a uh, quote here of Larry Turner in the Beef Week post um, who is running. He's a uh, cop running for uh, mayor, lives downtown. He's he's taken this whole, like, we should create this. Well, lives concept. downtown, huh? Yeah. Uh, he's taken this concept and endorsed it of this concentration camp somewhere in the remote area where you could you could ship the homeless population and get even harder on yeah. allowing them anywhere in the city center but um uh but you know I don't I don't know how serious that campaign or how well funded it'll be and so it's 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 odd that with all that sort of space he he created the of opposition there hasn't been a major candidate to step into it yeah well I think maybe his tenure has demonstrated that this job just kind of sucks. <laughs> he's done a lot to emphasize that point, that this yeah. is a very difficult job. Yeah. And it's miserable and you don't want to do it. And everybody's like, wow, I don't want to run for that. He's, think, he looks miserable. I think he's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a great series, The Beefs. Uh, you can check it out. We hope you were not only entertained, but also you benefited from learning how they're shaping San Diego. You can see all the beefs at vost.org slash beef that's vost.org slash beef thanks for listening to the Voice of San Diego podcast the most popular public affairs podcast recorded in this greater little Italy section of downtown San Diego it's the most popular public affairs podcast that is being recorded after the Thanksgiving break in that part of San Diego. Join the Voice of San Diego community today at vosd.org slash community. Any donation you make has a big impact on our organization and helps us continue to make this podcast. All the special feature weeks like Beef Week, my politics report, Lisa's homelessness coverage, and all the local coverage you value from our little operation. It does take money to make this possible and to handle all the cost of living issues in san diego for all of our employees again that's vosd.org community make your donation there at vosd.org community i'm scott lewis the ceo and editor-in-chief at voice of san diego andrea lopez Viafania is our managing editor jacob McQuinney's our education reporter nate johns our expert producer of this show and makes things work on the site and all throughout our organization thanks for listening we'll talk to you next week